Hello, Rigel. Hello. I'm a robot. Uh, this is the sound of Kit, right? The same voice. Hello, Michael. <laughs> um, did it's you a, okay. pre did you program yourself differently over the last seven months? What the heck was that? Are you Eddie Deason? Did you take over? <laughs> that was a callback. Wow. Was a callback to old old episodes, and I like to go, hello, Michael. Old episodes. You you did that like in every episode. It's only no, been seven no, months. No. You know, no, no, no. This past year, it's been changed up a bit. If you go back and listen, it's a little bit different. Really. But most of the time, it, okay, from the very beginning, it wasn't hello, Michael. As you like, and my guest. Yes. Pause. I hate. And my guest. Pause. And I go. <laughs> it still sounds like a robot saying my name. And then eventually it got to the point where I would be like, hey, Michael, or hello, Michael, which is a Knight Rider reference, and I don't even like that TV show. Yeah, I but know. Still. We were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> Me and John were just talking about this yesterday. The nostalgia for some of the shows of our childhood uh, is clearly drunk because there's no way Knight Rider is a good show. A-Team is just <laughs> stupid fun. It's not good. It's just stupid fun. No, they're, it's all, they're all pretty... Bad, yeah, yeah, but it's it's a little it's a little germ that's stuck in my brain. So in your Michael, you don't go by Mikey, which is dumb. I'm gonna eat really your cool face! I swear to God, Mikey, you could be a great adult, Mikey, but no, you go by Michael. Okay, so, Andy, Drew, that's not right. That's not right. You, no, yes. I'm not an Andy. No, no because, I'm not a Mikey well, either. Stop it! But our Mikey, stop forcing us. Because I. <laughs> I've met Andys that are all pretty much jerks. And if you're an Andy, prove yeah, you're wrong. And I'll true. be happy for you. But Andy's typically are jerks. And I pride myself in not being a jerk. <laughs> On purpose, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's accidental. <laughs> well, right. And you've been witness to it yeah. many times. <laughs> but, but... But no Andy for me. But Mikey, I just think if I was named Michael, because there's so many Mikes... And so many Michaels out there. Mikey's a nice change. I'm thinking of, of changing pace. it, changing it to Dynamite. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> but you can only say my name. You can only say my name. You have to say it twice. Dynamite. Dynamite. <laughs> Dynamite. Protect. Dynamite Detective Agency. What does that? How does that sound? That's fine. Whatever works. But you have to say the whole thing every time you introduce me. Then. Yeah. That's... We are an entity. We are a corporation. Do not fight us. The resistance is brutal. <laughs> You're some sort of Borg now. Wow, what is? <clears throat> it's been seven months, dude. That's the longest we've ever gone between episodes. Though technically, we did uh, a couple episodes that we got the beat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. did you miss me? Not really. Yeah, no. fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been busy drawing for Grumpire. I know. I've You've been, been super I've, busy. Yeah, super busy. Uh, I killed my website. Uh, not my website, my podcast. I killed my podcast. What did we just watch? It's dead. Yeah. And you've been on it twice, and I, I uh, accredit uh, you to the death of it. What? Because I got no, sick of no. it. No, no. What? No, no. You, you're not responsible. I'm just oh. trying to blame you for no, something. No, 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 no. Hold on. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest here. I was in miserable, miserable shape. Of, what was a year ago we did The Visitor, which is the episode you're never um, going to hear? No. 
Yeah, nobody's ever going to hear that. I I was exhausted. I I hated the movie, and I had a massive headache. I was getting super hot for some reason. I was just like, please, for the love of God, stop talking about this movie. And I just got so We didn't even get into the movie at that point. We didn't. We did not. I was was, feeling so terrible. It was the prompting. It was the preface stuff. It was the get to know the the audience, gets to know the perspective of of the, the guest, and even some little bit of reminiscence from me or something. So... Uh, it was just a setup part, and they, we were like 20 minutes in, and they were like, "You said that this was going to be short, Andrew." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> "I'm sorry, I, uh, I just felt so bad." I, that's why I was like, "Okay, yeah. I just get this done and over with, and I can go back to bed." And we didn't, and we ended up pulling the plug on it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure down. that is the day but, before uh, I got horribly sick. I had to go home from work early. Oh. I end up having uh, pneumonia. Oh well. You actually have a reason now. Yeah, I was out for like a week because <laughs> of pneumonia. Now I'm out yeah. for a week because of quarantine. Hopefully it's not too COVID. Weeks. COVID yeah. quarantine. You've yeah. absolutely dated the episode too many times. Who cares? Preface. It's the only thing um, I'm dating. I'm so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned the, the uh, what, Dino Mike, Dino Mike detection a- agent, detective agency because uh, this, this is a quirky... Uh, defective detective episode. Yes, and uh, to tell the audience right now, we're not fully back. We're going to be doing short seasons, usually around a certain topic. So we're going to be doing three episodes about like noir style storytelling. Um, what, what do we agree on? We're going to do the defective detectives, then modern noir, and maybe supernatural noir. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Then we'll take another long break. I just, it, it's, we've been at this, what, six years now, and your yeah. projects are escalating, and mm-hmm. I'm getting a little burnt out, I think. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's, there's got to be, um, listeners here, there's got to be some motivation, and it's got, it's give and take, and, and give and give. We give and give, and you take and take. <laughs> okay, but, so I did finally uh, give in to Patreon, so. Well, yeah, we just need some pats on the back, pretty much. We gotta let, we gotta have people tell us that they're listening. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing is I get consistent downloads of all our old episodes, but no one ever says anything, so I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. Okay, let's get to the meets. I I literally don't know. Like my my show, what do we just watch? Which has a back catalog on ouchmyego dot com. You can listen to them all there. There's only about twenty on your streaming services whatever podcasters you have because they bumped the earlier ones but you can check it out on ouchmyego.com that died because really I've got too many plates spinning and I need to knock a couple of them down so here we go yeah 1980 1980 the the year movies uh, decided this is the first movie ever made 1980, everybody said, you know what? It'd be kind of cool if we saw people like uh, pretend to be other people on film. And they're like, that's such a good idea. What's <laughs> the first not... movie we're going to make? Well, I don't know. Let's make a movie about two bumbling comedians in a Biltmore mansion solving a murder. Who better to solve England's most puzzling mystery than these two international crime busters? Yes. Good day. I'm Inspector Winship. And this is my assistant, Dr. Tart. With the law and the order. Gathering vital clues from every available source. Well. <laughs> 
step by step, Tim Conway and Don Knotts prove murder can be deadly in the private eyes. Who will be the next victim? Got that message. Better send it off to the yard and let them know we're here. I suspect that they would like to see me dead. Well, you can relax now that we're here. Danger is their constant companion. Fear is an unknown factor. These people are dropping like flies. Don't you people realize that you're next unless we get to the bottom of this? He isn't supposed to foam. Here. Stir it. These great sleuths, given the clue, come up with the perfect solution. Hey, we must be near a bowling alley. We have among us a murderer. And that killer is right here in this room. Tim Conway is the dim-witted Dr. Tart. And Don Knotts is the inept Inspector Winship. Tart! In... Oh, my gosh. The Private Eye. Yeah, and uh, I hear telling you had difficulty watching I did. I used to love this movie. I loved this movie so much as a kid. I watched it over and over and over. They used to play it on Super 55. So oh. you, obviously, you just said you used to watch it as a kid. Yep. I did too, but I have watched it recently and I didn't have problems with it. I thought this was your first time viewing. No, no, no. I saw it a bunch as a kid. I haven't seen it probably in 30 years. But, um, and of course, your your style of comedy changes. Also, your patience well, of changes. Course, yes. But, it's, but it's, don't you have any love? Like, no, uh, I, like stored away love for Tim Conway and Don Knotts? I do. The, I do. But I felt like the character choice that Tim Conway had made no sense to me. And he Dr. was exhausting. Tart. I think Don Knotts is perfectly fine in this. But Tim Conway, he's supposed to be a doctor and a detective. And he's, a, he's an Inspector idiot. Inspector Winship and Dr. Tart. Yeah, he's an idiot. And the whole movie it, is just Well, yes, um, but did you notice the censorship that was going on and it benefits the movie? No, what? Oh, so yes, yes. The, they, the, the, they, the killer they, leaves behind poems. Yes, the killer leaves behind poems. Uh, little lures, uh, teasing, uh, what are they? They're like riddles. And uh, a couple of them, and particularly one where there's, he's standing in manure, um, it's supposed to rhyme. This is a rare occasion in which I will say a swear word on the air. Uh, it's supposed to, the rhyming word is supposed to be shit. And instead, they dub it in. His mouth does not do this word. His mouth does shit. It's Tim Conway saying shit. He says caca instead. And to me, it's hilarious. Really, they dub it in? Because isn't that part of the joke, though, throughout the entire no, movie? No, is that no, none like, of the poems rhyme? Right. But, like, yeah, yeah, you're right. So they fix it in post because he goes, you're standing in shit. And his mouth says shit. I've seen this too many times to know this. Okay. So instead he goes, caw, caw. You're standing in bull, caw, caw. And it's too funny. And you're right. It's 
the cliche joke that they had already set up. So it's like three times set up already by that point. Point by that point. But I always noticed that it was dubbed like that, and I was like, "What? What?" As a kid, even like I know that you're saying the other word, but thank God that you said "caca" because then my parents wouldn't. <laughs> now, do you saw this on original cut or TV? I watched it on videotape. Videotape from, I believe, they had it in Holland. So whoever put it out in Holland at the uh, multi-language VHS rental shop. Interesting. They literally had it sectioned off by language? I don't think so. I think it was just uh, they had a lot of military guys go in. Uh-huh. And they knew how to cater to an international audience like that. I remember being in there, my dad would say, stand there. What? Because I think it was like in a nook in which it was like safe for me to look at the video boxes. Because this is in the oh, right. early 80s, right? Dirty the movies. era. We were across the pond from, uh, across the channel, I should say, from the UK. So the video nasties made their way to Holland as well. And I'm sure I saw some video boxes that I shouldn't have seen because uh, the video nasties always put the the worst parts of the movie up front on the boxes. So uh, stay right there. Don't move. <laughs> and then he'd rent the video and it would always be some Disney thing and Apple Dumpling game, gang came before this. Rides Again came before this. And they're all Disney stuff. And so this was like a little bit edgier for that, for this duo. But I liked it. it. But you know what? It is what it is. It's a Sherlock Holmes spoof. Yeah. And I I was looking this up, and I've been to this mansion. Have you ever been there? No. What? Where? Uh, it's in North Carolina. It's a Biltmore mansion. I think it's in North Carolina. Mm. I was I haven't been there since, I think it was 87 or 88 is when we went. It was after we had seen this movie, and we're on vacation, and uh, we went to see this, and I was just... It's one of these things where the tour is so insanely long. I've been in the Hearst Castle tour, and that thing is huge. And that's only like half the time. This mansion is mind-boggling. They had to pay uh, $400 million worth of insurance to film there. $400 million. That's insane. Yeah. That's a lot of money. But, it, but it was, this movie, but this movie is only the budget. Wouldn't that go into the budget of the movie? I think so. It's but they two point three million. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'm guessing. Yeah, they, that would be the most expensive movie ever made. If. if well, no. Hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Uh, when it comes to insurance, if you're only paying for, uh, they shot for three weeks. They said, uh, it's one location. I'm guessing they probably only had to pay about four hundred thousand dollars for one month of coverage, maybe. I don't know how that works for filming because it's insurance is usually a long-term kind of thing where you just build up the price over a certain amount of time. So I'm I wonder certain. if they get anything back from that. Huh? That's crazy. That's expensive. That's stupid to put money into it. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. But it, this is actually the most profitable movie that... Uh, well, not profitable. I shouldn't say that word. Uh, I should say the highest box office for any Roger Corman movie. Oh, this is Corman? I didn't know. He bought it at... He, it's one of the handful of movies that he bought um, just it's for distribution. Yeah. yeah he he wasn't right. involved in production. Huh. Okay. Well, 
Um, I don't. We don't need to get into the minutia of it, but there no. is a thing that bothered me about this movie, and which was the Wookalars. <laughs> even, even as a child, I didn't buy it. I was like, "What's a Wookalar? You're just making something up." It's a man bear pig. Yeah, it's man bear pig. They, but, but, like as a kid, I was just like, "Nah, nah." They could have said Bigfoot, and I would have been on board. They could have said Yeti, I would have been sure. I don't know what what's a Yeti, but okay. But Wookalar, that just sounds like a yeah. Dumb but a Sasquatch and Bigfoot, those that, that kind of stuff isn't known for being in England. Isn't this right, where, this right. is where it's set? Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know of anything besides Loch Ness in the UK as like urban legend monsters. Right. Well, Wookalar, I mean. <laughs> they just had to make up one. And I guess they had set up a sequel that they were going to go search for the Wookalar. But it doesn't make any sense because the Wookalar shows up at the end of the movie. So there's no search. They found him. <laughs> right. <laughs> they found him. Uh, maybe it would have been like a, a, a Joe Pesci <laughs> tag along Wookalar. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> this the, giant uh, suit. The um, it's weird. This is kind of like the last uh, for both of them, really. When it comes to theatrical films, I think he did one more movie for HBO called The Long Shot, which is really funny. But after that, it was just Dorf on Golf, and uh, Don Knotts basically retired. Would show up like you know randomly in little bits and pieces. But this is the last time those two starred in something. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I like it. I still like it. We watched it. Um with some local friends of ours here and uh, that guy's really into Tim uh, actually Don Knotts he's into Don Knotts and um, yeah it was fun it was a chuckle it's a chuckle of a film yeah it's it's this but, is from director Lang Elliott who this is his only comedy it was his first movie I think and after that he would just do uh, Cage and Cage 2 with Reb Brown and uh, Luke Ferrigno oh Two really? wildly yeah wildly different films that's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a debut. <laughs> so, I think we're done with that one. Yep. I I uh, say watch it, but like, eh. but what? like you're you're pro- I say watch it, but like if for our audience, I'm thinking that they'll probably also be similar to you and be like, yeah, this is kind of dull. It's it's just it's a nice time passer at best. It's I, if you want a movie like this, I would say stick with Clue. Oh, Clue is always tried and true, and, and it's much better. Yeah. Clue is tighter and funnier, constantly funny. Now we usually go in chronological order, and we are still, but there's a huge gap here between. Uh, uh, I mean, what do you got? What do you want to talk about? Two Fletch movies? No, I wanted to talk about Clean Slate, but we had too many movies as it was, so I decided not to. Though I think okay. Clean Slate is, Slate is superior to uh, really? Private Eyes. I love really? Have you seen it? Oh, oh I thought you were going to talk about Slate. No, no, I'm just letting that's my that's a, that's a one I wanted to throw in there. Private Eyes. Okay, yeah. Private Eyes, yeah. I've seen, I mean, that's Clean Slate is, uh, Clean Slate is, uh, what's his name? Dana Garth. Yeah, I've seen all of his movies except for Turtle, Turtle. Oh, I've never made it all the way through. Yeah. Master of the Skies. It's not even. It's not even a movie. It's not, that's also a detective film, I guess, and he's defective. But I'm not going to watch that for anything ever again. <laughs> turtle, turtle. That's the only thing yeah. anybody ever remembers from a movie. Uh, if you technically count it as a movie, I think it's like 68 minutes long with 12 minutes of credits. <laughs> <laughs> wow. the, uh, the next movie we're going to be talking about is. You're probably the best. Excuse me. 
Excuse me, you are the best private investigator in the world. Two shots, down she goes, execution style. Guess what the victim's name is. Uh, let me guess. No, I don't mean really guess. There's no way you can actually guess. Clarissa. I'm being blackmailed, Mr. Arlo. How desperate? Scale of one to ten. Bordering on manic. <laughs> I need the matter resolved. Take me to the scene of the crime. My employer is hardly your typical private detective. Did I tell you about the curtains? When he's working, smoothest operator you've ever seen. Brave, slick, cunning. As soon as he gets off work, complete freak. Nuts. Tactless. Terrible. Rude. Hello. What's his name? Harold Burgess. Mitchell Hutchman. Nick Carmine. Carol. Sergio. I'll give you $1 million if you sell out your boss. When your number's up, it's up. $2 million. Innocent people suffer, and murderers get away with it. $5 million. What kind of a hold does this guy, whoever he is, have on you? These people are victims of plots, and they need our help. So what if I was to walk in there right now? What would happen? I'll shoot you. I have a gun and everything. The mysterious and brilliant Daryl Zero. Uh, can I ask you a question? What's that? Why are we talking on the phone? Jake Kasdan's Zero Effect. Uh, Zero Effect. Um, I saw it 10 years ago. Well, I saw it when it originally came out, and I thought it was fine. I saw it 10 years ago, and I said it was the best movie I've ever seen. And then wow. I watched okay. it this last time, and I go, what the hell was I thinking? It's it's good, but it's not the best movie I've ever seen. It wouldn't even be in my top 50. Wow. Okay. You're a weirdo. I so, am. I first I saw know. this, like I you. I, I like you. I saw this, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's whatever. It's fine. Uh, I saw it early on video. So, like, but my problem with it then is still what, what my problem is with it now. Um and that's Ben Stiller. When I when Ben so 1998, Ben Stiller was in his position to be the Ben Stiller that we all know and love, and maybe hate. I don't know. I don't hate him, but some people don't like him. I guess. I I prefer when he's not in comedies. I know that's well, strange. Well, here here this is a comedy, and he's playing it in a way that it's really uncomfortable for him. It's It really looks uncomfortable for him to be playing this character. And I wonder what it is. It, it, it doesn't look like he's really um, in it. Like Bill Pullman's character, on the other hand. Yeah. This is Bill Pullman's most awesome, coolest dude role ever. He's handsome. He's pretty fit. He's uh, the head hair, like, impressive yeah. head of hair, <laughs> impressive head of hair. He's he's uh, he's quirky. He's he's all kinds of really cool, um, and also dysfunctional as a human being, as far as the story goes. But how he plays it and everything, it's like the peak peak Bill Pullman. That's what I'm saying. And Ben Stiller plays it like obviously he he hates working for this Daryl Zero that super detective he's his handler uh, he hates it because uh, Bill Pullman's yeah well Daryl Zero is this guy who doesn't meet with anybody he's socially maladroit and a misanthrope 
and he's he can solve a case just by thinking about it. <laughs> and then he calls up the the the, uh, the, case, the client over the phone and tells him that solves a mystery, and the guy's like, "What?" And he's never met anybody on the case, you know. So he's that fantastic. But I never once felt like he was like. Uh, did you ever watch Sherlock Holmes? The um, Cumberbund version? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Cumberbund. <laughs> yeah, I know. Benedict Cumberbatch. So Benedict Cumberbatch plays it with such disdain for everybody. Like, he is so kind of cruel to everybody with his intellect. This is Daryl Zero, but Daryl Zero, he doesn't play it like he's that cruel. There are moments and bouts of crippling anxiety that he has, and he's got to just get away from everybody. But the disdain isn't there, so it's a it's a more subtle approach to that kind of a character. I like that. Um, I like that a lot this time. But Ben Stiller's still the weak peg. I still think that, but it didn't kill me this time. The first time I was just like, no. Here's the weirdest thing. I thought about watching this again. I watched it a month ago, and I thought about watching it again right before this. Yeah. But I thought it'd be interesting to tell you that I can't remember what this movie's about. This movie oh, ten really? years ago was my favorite movie of all time, and now I couldn't tell you what the movie's about. I can't, can't, can't remember. All right, so Why? so Daryl Zero is on the case with his buddy Steve Arlo, the handler. Um, the case is a man is being blackmailed. This is a now well-to-do man. He came from a well-to-do family, and it turns out that he was being blackmailed. Um, and the backstory for that is long ago, a woman also blackmailed him when he was young to uh, obviously give him money or else hush hush, etc. Because he, she, she accused him of rape. And in the future, this current time, that this story happens in the film, not today but in the movie, <laughs> 1998. Uh, there's another blackmail case. That I can hear Bugga with... in the background, by the yeah, way. <laughs> yep. A, a, a covered murder Booga, not Booga. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, um, okay, so the murder mystery, is, well, there is a murder mystery here, and it is tied in with the, the blackmailing uh, in the current time of the story. I, you see, I'm, I'm hemming and hawing because it is a bit of a um, unraveler. So you do end up getting to a mystery in it. It's not just a character study. And so I don't want to give away what the mystery is and who and how's. But it stars Ryan O'Neill as the guy who is being blackmailed, Kim Dickens as the possible love interest, and more. And Angela Featherstone as Ben Stiller's lady who is always mad at him for having to deal with Daryl Zero. And the soundtrack, what do you think of the soundtrack? Uh, I can't remember it, just like the rest of the movie. I don't know <laughs> what's wrong with me. I think I'm having like, memory problems. Well, uh, it's it's adult contemporary alternative rock. Oh, so Eels. No, Eels oh. is not adult contemporary. No, but I, I see why, why you might think that. Okay, half of the Eels, half of each album by the Eels is that exactly the other half is really cool 
interesting, quirky, sometimes hard, sometimes anyway. Um, no, it's like Elvis Costello, Dan Byrne, Bond, uh, Mary Lou Lord, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Greyboy All-Stars, Jamiroquai, Estero, Keepmiser. Greyboy All-Stars are on there a lot, but the music is very... It's, it's cool, it works for this, but it's also like um, well-to-do late 30s coffee house music no it's better than that oh it's better than that cigar shop is... music <laughs> back when everybody smoked nah. cigars <laughs> i don't think so um i don't know what kind of music would be played there swingers nah. baby <laughs> that's that's totally earlier but no it, it is it's considered college rock but stuff like um wilco or whatever they're not like it's just like 30 38 year old white guys like it who are who are college educated? Who haven't heard of hip hop, <laughs> <laughs> or who don't tokenize hip hop? Um, anyway, th- so that's something that I noted about that the soundtrack is like it's pretty good, but I, I like would not ever listen to it outside of a movie, except Elvis Costello maybe. Yeah, I listen to Elvis Costello uh, on a I actually a regular basis. Weird. Hmm. Cool. I know. You're cool. I know. You're cool. Hey, I'm the same guy who listens to Aquabats, too. So we know I'm the king. You're absolutely not cool. I know I'm not cool. Canceled. Canceled out. You're cool with that. Yep. I don't want to be cool. Cool sucks. Uh, What about a misspelling of cool? K-E-W-L? As long as it's followed by a misspelled cat. Um, K-E-W-L. Cool cat. They got soul. Q Q A H T. Cool Quat? <laughs> no, not Q A H T. Quato. Cool Quato. It's cot. Okay. Anyway, so so you just don't remember a damn thing about Zero. Not a thing. That's it's insane. All I remember is a couple of gym scenes and Kim Dickens being so adorable. Yeah, and this is like the the movie that you were like, this one, Andrew, this one. I know. And I'm I'm like, so dead set on it. And I was just like... No, you're fine. I was glad to have watched it. I like the movie, and I like it because of uh, Bill Pullman. Watch, the next um, time I see this in another 10 years, I'll be writing you, everybody, let me put my teeth in, Andrew. This is the greatest movie I've seen in 20 years. <laughs> What's it called? I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, zero defect. Uh, zero uh, effect. Nineteen ninety-eight. It's pretty good. Right before Ben Stiller really broke big. This is interesting yes. because he also did Permanent Midnight and something about Mary. And, you know, Permanent uh, Midnight. That was the one that he was solid in. Like I, yeah. I believe them. I Friends believe them. and Neighbors. I think was the last movie he did that year. Mm, I didn't see that one. Miserable. But it. Mm. Isn't that the one with Aaron Eckhart? Yes. Who's that better. guy? He's, Who's the director? He makes me miserable. Neil Labute. Labute. Neil Labute. So, so that's the one where he's like, "I'm, I'm the best lover I've ever had." <laughs> that scene. Probably. Okay, I've, I don't I've remember. Probably it. seen the film. I haven't seen it since I ever worked at uh, Blockbuster. So. You know what? In, in all this time, uh, I don't recall you ever saying that you worked at Blockbuster on uh, Shush on the show so it never 
sunk in that when you referenced your video store work that it was Blockbuster and then you tweeted about it and I was like, what? Yeah, I mean, what you've mentioned this? it many times. I worked there yeah. January to May of 99 and then I got hired by the state to work for the Parks and Rec Department. Oh. So how accurate is that show? It's on the nose. No, I worked literally in the park and it was boring and insanely hot. Right. Have you ever had to clean... And repaint outside bathrooms in 100 degree weather. No. Take a deep breath, I have Andrew. Fix the air and poop smell. <laughs> no, but, but I did have to climb a 24 foot ladder all the way to the top to paint uh, some soffits under a, uh, an open walkway um, at a college. And there also was nearby an open septic tank Ugh. and it was malfunctioned so oh, they no. were having technicians there to work on it Ugh. and it was open and I got up there and they were wafted and I was like I have to go down the ladder now because my mucous membranes <laughs> were going crazy Terry so I have this involuntary reaction to the worst smells you can imagine so where some people might have a stronger uh uh, I can't withstand these foul odors as much as another person may. So I was coming down the ladder, and my face is, my eyes are crying involuntarily. My <laughs> nose is, my nose is um, boogers, I suppose, like snot, and my mouth is so mucous membranes, like it's gross. And I'm trying to contain myself and not fall off the ladder. And my boss was an absolute jerk. You broke over the ladder. I was like, no. I'm not doing it. I can't do it. You see me? Yeah. Because of because of the open sewage thing. So I mean, not painting a bathroom and smelling some guy's fart, but like the entire feces and piss. And <laughs> yeah, I don't. Okay. <laughs> so I think I got one up on that, and I was up on. So our uh, that's disgusting, by the way. So our third film. Uh... I forgot now because of the smell. No, it's uh, The Nice Guys, a movie I sat in the theater, a very, very empty theater on opening weekend, looking around going, where the hell is everybody? This movie's rad. It's my husband. He's gone missing. Missing? I'm terribly worried. It's just Fred's never been gone this long before. How long has he been missing? Since the funeral. Well, I can start right away. You're a private investigator? My profession is very complicated, okay? It's nuanced. That is a lot. That's a lot of blood. You beat people up and charge money? Yeah. Sad, isn't it? How much would you charge to beat up my friend Janet? What? How much you got? 30 bucks? That's good. This conversation no is over. The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, my daughter Amelia is involved. Please, find her. You seen this girl? Who's in it for me? Oh, we can do this the easy way. No! We're currently doing it the easy way. Whatever happened to offering me 20 bucks? It's the recession. This is a high-profile case. Made the newspapers. Where is Amelia? What the hell's going on? Oh, you know, there's a guy coming to kill us. That kind of crap. Hey, can you behave like a professional? I'm sorry. 
She's in danger, man. We have to do something about it. She's dead. She's not dead. She's not dead. She's not dead. Why do you think everyone involved with this case was dying? Is not you. You're not a murderer. I just killed three people. I know, but I'm saying deep down. Look, if you come in here, you beat up on me. It's part of the job. I accept it. But what did you do? You pissed me off. Before we go solving the crime of the century, let's deal with the rotting corpse. We got a plan. Run. Yeah, I watched it again last night, and I, this was like, I didn't know if I was actually going to rewatch it because I just remembered being super fond of it. But I watched it again, and I was uh, just in bed, and my wife is there. And she's trying to go to sleep, and I won't stop laughing. And I keep saying, this is so good. This is so good. Yeah, because it is. Uh, of the two guys, who do you relate to the most? Gosling. Ryan Gosling's character? Yeah, I don't, I don't connect. I don't connect very well to uh, Russell Crowe's character. I'm actually worried the whole movie about his weight. I'm a little concerned. I don't know what the hell is going on with him. He's turning He's into a, a brand new. Yeah, he's a pretty big guy there. Yeah. His hands are actually quite thick in that. He, he's also just kind of mean as crap the first half of the movie. Yeah, but it's, it's so cavalier, and it's not like grimacing villain mean. True, it's true. It's like, this is, a, this is a job, and I punch people to stop them from doing bad things. I break their hands. <laughs> so, so Gosling's character is my spirit animal if... I was an alcoholic. Put it this way. His reactions to everything is how I react inside of me a lot. <laughs> I may actually be quiet and composed and be like outwardly like in some sort of crisis or whatever. I'll be like my head's together, but inside I'm like him when he's trying to pull up his pants while he's sitting on the toilet and hold the door open and hold the gun on the guy. So I'm the exact opposite. I'm that guy on the outside all the time. I am so oh. clumsy, so awkward, so doofy. It's ridiculous. Uh, well, there's some of that that is actually real with me, but that's only because I'm tall and I don't see things that are below me all the time, so I bumble over them. So but that's a, a height situation I'm curious we've known each other for a decade yeah. now we've done this show for over six years I have no idea we have never met how tall are you 6'4 really wow yeah I'm 4 foot 11 <laughs> <laughs> no you're not I can fit in your no, pocket you, <laughs> <laughs> you can carry I... me around like a kangaroo <laughs> Your pouch. I, here, here's a tall story, and, and this is one of those good stories um, that sums up my life in in natural humor. Um, I have a friend who is like five four, five five maybe, and we're walking down the street, bop to the beat, and I look down at him because that's what I do when I'm six four. He's five 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 four, and I said, 
you're too short. And immediately I get hit in the head with a tree branch. <laughs> Karma. <laughs> and he looks up at me and goes, you're too tall. <laughs> oh, my God. As he passes under the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm actually 5'11". Here's the weirdest thing is I'm taller than anybody else in my family. And... um. We lived in a house in Monterey where there was an air duct that was a little low, in my opinion. And nobody would ever run into it. I ran headfirst into that thing three or four times. I was once holding a baby, and I got up too fast, and I cracked my head on it. And I was wow. like, there's the baby. Whatever, and nobody would fix it because no one else noticed it. Um, it's yeah. yeah. Okay, but uh, where are we at? So, where are we at? Nice why guys. why this is because like <laughs> I'm not I'm not as bumbling. I mean, I did put an axe into my foot at one point, but that's not a bumble. <laughs> that's that's standing in the wrong stance. That's wrong form and doing all sorts of things wrong. It's not the same thing as Ryan Gosling's bumblingness here, which is perfect. But it is an expression of my soul, if it could be. Uh, that's me in my neuroses incarnate on film but uh without having to be a drunk because i'm a essentially a teetotaler i drink sometimes but i never get drunk i am extreme lightweight if you hand me a wine cooler i'm like i'll take about a quarter of that please ah yeah well, I don't, you I don't are drink. you're also pretty thin i'm super thin and so it just goes straight everything goes through you metabolism wise so then no that makes sense um my whole drinking thing from that if you Probably I don't know what episode, but I'm pretty sure I talked about it. I got in a car accident. I hit my head. Oh right, yeah. And I turned my head. Eventually, during recuperation, I would turn my head. And my brain would follow. Years later, I had a drink at a Weezer show. It's a longer story. Probably also on the podcast somewhere. Uh, I took a, a, a drink of this apple martini. One drink. It's half of the apple martini, and it's not watered down or anything. So. Uh, I felt the same brain movement as the car accident, and I put the drink down, and I was like, "I will not." Thank you. That's uh, that feels like a, a car accident brain. I don't want to feel that way. That doesn't feel right. It's not natural to feel that way, so I don't get drunk. There you go. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um. What about the movie, though? Yeah, it's weird. It's the most it. we've, this is the most it. we've ever not talked about the movies. It's it's actually kind of company, I know, I know, but I don't know but, if I'm But, like, here's the, the thing, though. These are mysteries. These are detective movies. What are you going to do? Talk about the mystery and detective I know, right? I don't want to ruin it, what is it about... Um, oh, my God. I forgot his name. Uh, come on. Really? Shane? Shane Black. Jeez, I almost said Seth Meyers. I don't know why I even wanted to change <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Shane Black, he has a very particular voice, but it only is successful a handful of times. But it's so influential. It has been for thirty what thirty five years now, almost. It's so weird. Are you meaning? Are you meaning successful in the fact that people Box go out in droves to yeah, it and love it, or or if it becomes a cult? Because well, no, all, all his movies find a cult later. They're always huge on video. I think a lot of people would be surprised that The Last Boy Scout was actually kind of a flop uh, when it came out, um, whereas it's considered so classic by action people. Um, and Long Kiss Goodnight, I think, has found an audience. All his movies have found an audience later, and if it wasn't for Iron Man 3 and Robert Downey Jr. you know, getting him hired, I honestly don't know where his career would be right now. He definitely would never have got Predator going. 
And they really yeah. screwed him on that. He comes off such a high with the nice guys. Yes, I know he didn't do well. Um, but critics but, absolutely loved it. But the his... quality of nice guys is so good. Yeah. You know what? It made $12 million over its budget. So it, it made his money back and then some, but the 12 almost $13 million isn't... Isn't exactly what people are looking for. Well, also, for. it doesn't work like that. But okay, so the budget was fifty million. It didn't make it back in America, but it did make it back internationally. But you're also only making half that. You have to essentially give fifty percent back to the theaters. You're splitting it. So whatever uh, the box office, if it was ninety six million or whatever you want to say hypothetically, you're only getting half of that back. And then you have to take out how much did you just spend on marketing and sending the movie out? You have to take that out of it. And the reason why movies come out on video so close to theater now, I used to think uh, it was just like, uh, well, we're greedy. We want to get it out as fast as possible. No, they've seen that the marketing costs of a movie for theatrical and video being closer together saves them on marketing because it's still fresh in people's minds. Because back in the day, it was six months to a year before it came out on video and you had to remind people of the existence of this movie. Yep. Yeah. So this big mystery has to do with some sort of a Detroit is good for America thing and uh, some corporate corruption. And then uh, a Playboy bunny, basically, or a porn star gets killed. Now, this was clever at the very beginning. And this is just the basic catalyst for this movie to start. This boy picks up a magazine, basically a Playboy, and he returns to the centerfold. And it's this girl, and she's in this very specific centerfold type pose. And he's like, all right, yeah. And in the background, this car wrecks down a hill, which happens to be his yard, or his parents' yard, wherever he is. And he goes out to the car, and the girl is positioned in the same way, but she's dying. She's the driver of the car, or was in the car when it went over. And so he sees her, and it's exactly the same pose, but she's battered and bruised, and then she dies. And then he covers her. That's That um, was the moment that I really thought, okay, this movie's going to be different. I think Shane Black has changed a lot, too. With that long gap where he did not work, he, it, I think it fundamentally changed who he was. And it wasn't more about being outrageous and shocking with his dialogue and behavior, uh, you know, the character's behavior. Um, when he came back with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I really think that he became more sensitive, thoughtful, and just sharper with the characters. And well, yeah, do you... He makes you, choices um, in this that I don't think he would have made it 15 years ago. Not the same guy, but do you remember Tom Shadyac? Yeah, 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 yeah. He had like some weird awakening, I remember. And... Yeah, this happens to a few, but some directors, they, they have these huge hits. And so Liar, Liar, and, and uh, Ace Ventura, big comedy BS, and they amount to nothing, really, ultimately. I mean, I guess you could still laugh at some of it now, but it's really not that, not that anything. And so Shadyac went on and got some sort of uh, shakabuku, I guess, if you're I'm referencing uh, Gross Point Blank. Swift spiritual kick to the soul. And he changed his way. And it manifests in different ways. And I think he does documentaries now or something about yeah. the Earth. And and here Shane Black instead of um, taking on just what you said the the too much snark and too much ultra violence for the sake of it here he well, takes also, on a lot of his characters were just terrible people 
Well, here, this whole concept is, are you a good person or a bad person? The daughter is saying that to, well, Gosling's daughter, he turns to her and says, am I, am I a good person? And she's like, no, <laughs> which is good. And she looks at him like, ugh. But she meets Russell Crowe's character, who just broke her dad's arm, thinking that her dad is somebody else or doing something else. Um, she says later on, are you a good or bad person? And you can see that it matters to Crow's character that question. It actually, there's subtlety and nuance in this stuff that maybe wasn't there in Long Kiss Goodnight. Probably was in Long Kiss Goodnight. The last Boy Scout. You know? Yeah, it's... it's well, it's just also too funny, this movie. Yeah, it's, it, a lot of it is... It's a lot funnier than I expected it to be. It has great action sequences, but a lot of the reason why the action works... It's not big budget action. This movie cost $50 million because they, they had to make it look like 1977, I think. And, uh, yeah. I mean, you could... If it was set, like, in today, you probably could have shot it for $15, 20000000 million. But the action sequences work so much better because you spent the time with these guys. And, and they're usually born out of funny stuff. Or just weirdo behavior. I this is probably my favorite Gosling role. When Gosling does his stuff, he's usually um, been at, as of late pegged as the stoic, quiet, uh, little words, big presence. Maybe he's gonna kill you with a pencil. I don't know. Maybe he's gonna have a dance shoot number. you with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I haven't seen. La La Land, and I don't. Well, want to. I really Sorry. don't understand. I, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a musical guy. I love dance and song kind of stuff. But I watched it. And I go, this one, Best Picture, really? Yeah. So. Um, it's, it's a throwback, I guess. People. Nah, it was, it was people. just a one and done for me. I couldn't get through. Yeah, it but those that. old people on, on the academy. That's true. They like musicals, and they're old, and they're like, this is what we know, whatever. So, but I'm not disparaging his career. I'm saying this is one of the funniest performances I've seen in a movie that is a action comedy drama but the drama is interwoven throughout and it doesn't ever get dramatic just things aren't uh, things aren't useless or superfluous in this right way. but it's, it, the stuff matters and it has some dramatic weight but it's not heavy that's what I'm saying uh, everything is tempered with a sense of humor as well. Like a certain kind of the absurdity of it all. It's just really great. The whole cast is great. Yeah. Matt Bomber. Matt Bomber. Oh, like well, you John Boy? Dude. <laughs> yeah, John Boy. They keep on calling him John Boy because he has uh, a mole on his face. And what's his name? John Boy Richard. The actual. Oh, actor. you mean in the Waltons? Yes. I can't remember. John Boy Walton? No, the actor. Oh. Uh, shoot, I can't remember. Battlebot Beyond the Stars Boy. That's all I remember. Yes. Who yes. the hell played... What was his name? Richard Thomas. Yeah, Richard Thomas. He had a mole on his face and the... Uh, and people would make fun of that. So this was actually... It was contemporary to the time of the TV show... And this movie, 1977, was one of the biggest shows on TV, was The Waltons. A story about a family of many, many people living in the Ozarks. Boring! On the side of a mountain. 
on the side of a mountain. And yes, well, hold on, hold on. I am the same person that's watched every single episode of Little Shop, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, it's a Little Shop little, of the Prairie. <laughs> a little Shop of the Horrors. <laughs> About a family out in the middle of nowhere with a giant man eating. <laughs> no, both of those shows bored me. They yeah. both bored me. I watch that show I, can't, I, I couldn't do it, but I understood the, the reference because I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and that was in rerun in the 80s, but my parents still watched it. And everybody says, Good night, John Boy. Ugh, I've never seen the show. Yeah. Good night, what a it's boring as hell. Yeah. I c I can't I can't get with it. So but the joke is it stands and Matt you, Bomber. You've never been, been a TV guy though anyway, so No, I mean I did T V, I watched T V because that's what was there. But my preferences were always movies. So um, uh, speaking of our final movie. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, okay, let's spend a little time on this one. Wait, nice guys, great. Watch it, you. Have uh, this is my favorite of the four. Nice, nice guys, guys is my favorite of the four, but I am absolutely fascinated by our final film. Come on in. I saw you spying on me earlier. No, I wasn't. Who moves out in the middle of the night? Nothing strange about it. She wanted to leave. How does that not make sense? I don't understand why she didn't tell me. Maybe she didn't like you. Maybe she knows you're poor and haven't paid your rent. You found some kind of code or like secret message in her apartment. It means to stay quiet. Our world is filled with codes, subliminal messages, from Silver Lake to the Hollywood Hills. Could be any of this be connected to Sarah? I know this girl. There's a message in the music. Really think you're gonna find a hidden message in a pop song? One, two, three. Can't quite see it, but I'm close. Honey, how are you? Mom, I'm fine. Mostly fine. Um, why do we assume that all of this information is what we're told it is? Maybe there are people out there who are more important than us, more powerful, communicating things in the world that are meant for only them and not for us. Yeah. Oh, you think that's weird? A little. Welcome to Purgatory. Good to be here. You're living in a carnival. Hoping to win a prize. What are you going to win? Under the silver. Under the Silver Lake. Under the Silver Lake, indeed. Um, we're going to have to reference some things that are kind of spoilery here. Yeah, so, so just used to people. So it's it's um it's a uh, it's about a, a a guy who's kind of a dink. He's yeah loser. He 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 may or well he absolutely is a selfish guy who refuses to um, work. <laughs> okay, so let me. Okay, so if I'm gathering, I, the first time that I watched the movie, it was just so confounding and so rich with detail that I didn't catch the smaller things. 
And I was yes. more, I was actually frustrated the first time I saw this, but I liked yes. it, but I was frustrated. Now that I know the outcome, I'm, I've made peace with it. But mm-hmm. now I got to sit there and watch his character. And so is he a guy who moved out to Los Angeles to be an actor and never that doesn't got tell a, you? He says, he says he thought he was going to make something of his life being out here. Like this was the opportunity, but they never do tell you. It's like the movie The Last Minute. Yeah. The movie The Last Minute is about a guy who does something in the arts, being like graphic design, or he's a videographer, he's a animator, he's he's a video game designer. Who we don't know, but we know that it has to do with him at an editing station or a computer bay or whatever. We barely see anything of what he does, but he hits it big in the last minute, and everybody comes for his blood, as in like like a mover and shaker. And oh, all gotcha. Well, this guy's the exact I, opposite. This seems, it seems yeah, like whatever. He, never he, tried, he tried when he first got out there and was never yeah. successful. I got the feeling he was an actor based on his ex-girlfriend. I don't know why I, I led to that. Like well, he, no, no, no. You've got all these details of yeah. people being dressed strangely, and they're always saying it's for a part. Yeah, and I feel like he just got sick and tired of auditioning and not getting anything, so he just stopped. And that's why his ex-girlfriend left him because she still pushed hard to become successful, whereas he gave up. And, and her success is multiple billboards for contact lenses right. and other products. But it also across it, LA. it broke them apart, but also broke him emotionally, where he doesn't—he's disconnected. And the only thing I think he knows now is just sex. And this mystery finally gives him something in his life to work towards. Yeah, yeah. So, so emptiness and not doing anything he's selfish he's also selfishly on this mystery yeah <laughs> like his motivations are all self-serving um oh there's a lot going on here so there he, he is by the way uh, warning and before you watch this watch this by yourself or with a really close uh, trusted loved one because there's some wild sex scene in this movie where you're like oh i'm glad nobody else is around for this one because this is going on for quite a while are you talking about when she's looking at the poster of Kurt Cobain? Yeah, and they're watching TV. It goes on forever. It's funny. It's it's character-based kind of behavior, but boy, does it go on for a while. It's, a, it's also like, so, Andrew Garfield plays a dude, and he was, he's pretty much Mr. Wholesome and Mr. Well-Respected and does, does not really rated our stuff unless it's like jingoistic military thing like Hacksaw Ridge you know I haven't seen that it's been sitting in my uh, voodoo for quite a while well there he's just a guy who is a pacifist and he ends up helping and saving a bunch of guys lives going up one by one taking them down off the hill um, and saving them without killing anybody it's a it's a true story and it's really cool like little story and they made a super gory violent brutal war movie out of it yeah I, I think of course everybody knows him mostly because of social network and the two spider-man movies which he got screwed yes. out of the third one just because he made a comment that wasn't even his fault the studio fucked that up and he got punished for it and what did they i didn't what realize was the comment? because he said all he said was the problem with the second one was there's too many villains it was overstuffed that's all he said and they fired him um, Amy Pascal, of course, she's been removed too because of her uh, terrible behavior. But uh, he got removed because he said uh, the studio said that he violated the contract and spoke badly about the movie. Well, the movie had already been out for like a year. 
So yeah, that was that was some shady, underhanded. It stuff. was, but I didn't realize how old he was. He was too old to be playing Peter Parker in high school. Holy crap, he's thirty six. In high now. school, yeah, they he's thirty six now. That was like uh, two thousand thirteen when they did the last Spider Man movie. Yeah, he looked pretty young though. He still did yeah. have the. Youthful... I thought he was a great Peter Parker and Spider Man, uh, but I, I do believe Tom Holland is the best of the three. Yeah, as far as the teenage boy goes, yes, yes, he's the most appropriate. Um, the second most is Garfield. But those movies allow him to do the smaller stuff, I guess. And, and... Which is this. Like, he opted for this. Now, this movie also got screwed out of distribution. Yeah, I really thought this was and... supposed to go in theaters. I thought 824 had it was. set up. Okay. It, it went to two theaters. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it went to Cannes Film Festival, and Cannes did not take well to this movie. They thought that it was pretentious, drivel. And really? This seems you... like the kind of thing they would embrace. If you know anything about Cannes Film Festival, they are fickle like Twitter. They are weird and fickle. And they will applaud and standing O something that is just banal as heck or something that is amazing. It depends on the crowd. Yeah, and for me, I I am truly enraptured by this film. It's the best... En- enraptured? Yes, I never use big words like that. I, I really I like this movie a lot. It's really shiny enthralled. and pretty. I, you're not enraptured you're enthralled okay you're not i don't know what words mean i just like saying are you so elated are you almost near don't i prove it to me oh my god (laughs) are you nearly orgasmic and i was prefacing with don't prove it to me (laughs) and then you just said the gist so you're gross but um (laughs) But uh, the movie—I don't want to know that. You know, you, you are. You know how much I hate digital. I hate digital. It always looks terrible. The lighting's always god awful. And whenever there's action, it's blurry. I don't care how expensive the movie is. The only reason for digital is if oh we can make this for three. You know, we get this greenlit because we can save three million dollars on film, or or sure. it makes the digital effects look better. I usually think it looks terrible. This is the best looking digital movie I have ever seen, and it's the best looking movie period since Road to Perdition. I don't know. I, it's gorgeous. Whoever filmed this did just such well, an amazing job. The thing about the thing about digital now is, uh, you you say you can notice it every time. You don't. You can't. You haven't. You're you're imperfect now. You used to, Mike, old Michael. You used to be able to. You can't anymore. They're nearly indistinguishable. But it's always the cinematographer and the person yeah it's, it's always about handle. lighting lighting throws me every single time because i can tell that they're like well we don't need to set up lighting and make this look good because digital has you know capture natural lighting no no michael mann told you that and michael mann's movies look terrible somewhat some they look okay oh, public enemies yes. good god how does a 90 million dollar no, movie look like it was shot on a cell phone <laughs> well okay so this guy finds he meets a girl. This guy meets a girl, and then she disappears from his life the next day. After she says, "Meet me here at my house or at my apartment," which is the same apartment uh, complex, and he goes, and the place is absolutely cleaned out. And so he goes to the the property master, the the super, and is like, "What's the deal?" And he's like, "She probably just didn't like you," <laughs> and she moved. It happens all the time, but in the middle of the night, whatever, they paid up, and it happens all the time, so who cares? Speaking of, you haven't, and you owe us. 
And you're very yeah, right. So he's got five days, and this whole thing lasts for five days uh, until he gets kicked out. Um, in the meantime, he's she goes missing. He's concerned about that, and he starts following people who show up at the apartment to grab stuff that was left behind. He starts following them, and things begin to unravel. At the same time, there's this really strange conspiracy theorist guy who was also in Mulholland Drive and the latest series of Twin Peaks. Forget his name. Uh, this guy is the creator of, oh yeah, Patrick Fischler. Yes, yes, yes. Creator of Under the Silver Lake Zine, who is in, who's obsessed with conspiracy theories. Uh, two of them, one is the dog killer, which Garfield may or may not be, actually. Yeah, that's never really answered, and that's an interesting thing. And you think that's that, you think that's what the movie's going to be about? You really do. You're led to believe that's what the plot is. Yeah. So the owl's kiss is another one where there's a naked woman with an owl head, and she has a, a butcher knife, and she goes around murdering various people. Um, and this all takes place in Silver Lake. That's why it's under the Silver Lake, and there's more to it about what's under the Silver Lake. So there's also a band called. Jesus and Dracula's The Brides of Dracula Brides of Dracula, yeah Jesus and the Brides of Dracula And they have they sing pop songs Or alternative pop songs and stuff um, Turns out that During his mystery Following the mystery of trying to figure out Who this where, where this girl went There was a billionaire Who went missing And his body was found with her hat in a burned out car and so he's like whoa now I gotta figure out why she was killed and that leads him to more and more yeah there's well there's so much going on in this movie it feels like a whole season of a show crammed into a movie but it doesn't feel overstuffed everything kind of like it just interlaces like life just continues before and after this movie and usually mm -hmm. that's a failure on the the, rec the writer's part or whatever, but it works for this one. And I love that there's so many little stories going, like uh, the fact that, oh, there's this guy who lives in the hills who wrote oh, all these songs. Yes, the songwriter. Yeah, so and, and he's when like, he, when all, he those, and... all those famous songs that you know, I wrote them. Who is under that makeup? I gotta know. Just a nobody? Oh, oh you gotta know? No, he's an actor who was in a couple of things that you may have seen. I don't know if you watch Netflix TV shows. Yeah, I haven't touched Netflix um, in a year. Did you, did, did you watch uh, the second season of Jessica Jones? No. Because he is... Okay, so the... he's, it's not a name. A, a household no, no, okay. his name is Jeremy Bob. B-O-B-B. Um, -B -B. Okay. Jeremy Bob, he's... He I mean, was on it's... HBO's... He was on HBO's... Uh, What's the show? Um, Everybody's from the Wire. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was uh, it was The Outsider. Oh, okay, it was on that. Um, um, you you a know lot of stuff. you know it's makeup. I mean, it's not like they're really trying to hide that he's under makeup. We're not stupid, but there's something so yeah. eerie and obvious about it, though. Like his vocal work is really great. Oh, it's great. Yeah, and that sequence now, okay, goes. Okay, so yeah, let's oh, let's let's get into the the part of this this part. 
he he follows a bunch of protocol in order to get to this guy but he strong arms it out of jesus he beats jesus face and jesus is like we didn't write that song the songwriter did and so he thinks about the songwriter and then he goes to this one of these girls who went up to a mansion party once and he puts two and two together and that's where the songwriter is so she gets him into that place and then he goes and he confronts the songwriter he's got all these instruments from everybody like Kurt Cobain's guitar which plays a pivotal role in this scene and this sequence you had this big question to me the first time you watched this like what is this movie why is this what is this about and this sequence uh, along with um, Topher Grace spelling everything out every time he's in, in the scene <laughs> Mr. Exposition was his last name. <laughs> yeah, well, they, the mystery, there is no mystery. I mean, there is a mystery, but there's no mystery. Uh, there's so much, that even as the songwriter says, that all the stuff is meaningless. You're putting meaning to something that is meaningless. I wrote all these songs that you rebelled to. There is no rebellion. Yeah, it's, it's so weird how everything matters, but nothing matters. Yeah, it's a bit nihilistic, but then it's not it's really strange so uh, let's go ahead and this, spoil the end of the movie but this is about well, a hold on he, he bashes the guy's face in oh. like, with that guitar but that's so gross because <laughs> he he makes the guy mad because he keeps on saying all all like, like the songwriter keeps telling him what i just said like it's all meaningless and it's all me <laughs> i made it all and you guys what i think he walks towards him and he pulls out a gun and starts shooting at, at garfield like what? And so then he retaliates and gets gets a, the guitar and smashes his face in. And it is, like you said, it's really gross. But it's uh, it's it's like brown and murky blood. It's yeah, it's different. unreal. It's, not, it's, it's still yes. part of the dreamlike quality of this. Oh, also, real quick, lots and lots of little weird dream sequences and a couple of really awesome, in reference to the zines, uh, animated sequences, which are just awesome. They're very cool. Black and white animation sequences. Yeah. And the end credits are the same kind of art, but it's over different primary colors. Here's a which really, is really big cool. question I have to ask. You're not going to have the answer, but I have to ask this. Why did Nintendo sign off on this movie, of all things, when they wanted nothing to do with movies since Super Mario Bros.? They signed off on this. Nintendo Power magazine. No, it's still it's not public domain. It's still a Nintendo property. They play the games in the movie. You see them playing Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, but they use the Nintendo Power magazine. Yeah, I've just and never seen. I've, I've literally never seen Nintendo in a movie. Was, uh, past uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Well, why? I don't know. It's really cool that they did. Yeah, it's just such a strange um, movie to finally go. Yeah, let's go ahead. <laughs> So what was it was Legend of Zelda that he used as the map of LA. Right, yeah. And then he had this actual map of LA and he overlaid it on top of it that he got out of a cereal box prize, which led him to um uh the the king, the homeless king. Yeah. And the homeless king takes him to where he wants to go, which is literally under silver like these rich people. Everything is useless and amounts to nothing. They just get a rich dude gets three hot chicks to live with them underground in a sealed up tomb, basically, until they starve to death, I guess. 
Yeah, I don't understand. And she says it, she has no choice. So well, she make does. The best have, of it. Well, no, she doesn't have a choice anymore because it's all sealed. Nobody, it's sealed by concrete. They can't get out. There's no outdoor like get out. Yeah, hatch. but can't they just get the cops there to undo it? Like it's. But the cops are all in on it. Ugh. Everybody's in on it. So it's it is this grand conspiracy. Now here's the thing. Here's a free. Uh, what's a frequency, Kenneth? Is a song that plays throughout the movie at certain points. It is REM, and it is a song about a man who is paranoid about pop culture stuff being all conspiracy laden. And that's what this movie. Yeah, is. is it about the guy who attacked Dan Rather, right? And he kept screaming, "What's the frequency, Kenneth?" That's just a motif. Oh. It's. I think it might be a fictitious uh, thing using a motif from real life, but. It's about a mentally disturbed guy. So Garfield is perceived as a mentally disturbed guy. Now, uh, Patrick Fischler, the comic fan, a.k.a. creator of Under the Silver Lake Zine, is absolutely played like he's delusioned. He's played absolutely 100% that way. And then he ends up being killed, killing himself, I didn't remember this that. movie. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He walks up to this house that's then the cop is out there and he's like, I know this guy. He didn't seem that bad to me. He's like, Well, he's in there and he's dead. And his I was in his place and it looks like he had problems. Hmm. So so yeah. This movie is really interesting and cool. And and again, I don't really want to talk too heavily about it because it is also an interpretive movie. A lot of people throw around David Lynch with this movie. And sure, the love letter to L.A. that David Lynch does with the Mulholland Drive love letter, loosely worded. Same with this. This is a, this is a movie, L.A. doesn't quite exist. Um, but there's something magical about both of those movies. Mulholland Drive is a lot more uh, dark feeling. <laughs> frustrating. This, the, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, no, you're right. It's they're all frustrating, but they all both of these movies warrant rewatching. Yeah, what time you, and again. Can I this ask you a, what do you take from the end when he's fine? He sleeps. So uh, he at the uh, end of it is him uh, at the other lady's apartment, the older lady who stands around nude, you know, feeding a bird. And she's got her bird. Yeah, and he just had sex with her, and he's on his porch, on her porch patio whatever you want to call it smoking a cigarette looking over at his apartment they've just busted in and then he's just like that's it so has he decided that he's just going to be a leech and now he's going to try yeah. to live with her Tumble and tumbleweed yeah. yeah he's gonna just it's just you know how, yeah you know how a tumbleweed rolls on yes gets, i know people gets like stuck, that it gets stuck on this little boulder until the wind picks up yeah well she's a boulder got it i know someone that's, just like that's that. what i'm thinking <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, he's not—he's not a great reputable character, but as far as film goes, he's a great cinema character. Guy, such a great performance too. Unbelievably good. He's so alive and just—I love watching him. So his uh, friend with benefits is played by Ricky Lindholm. Uh, she's the actress. The girl that he is enamored by um, is Riley Keough. Do you know who that is, by the way? I looked her up. Yeah, Riley Keough has been in The Girlfriend Experience. She's been in 
Logan Max. Lucky. Yeah, she's in Fury Road. Logan Lucky, and she's in Fury Road. She's yes. Yeah, she's but a, do you know why she's been in the news lately? What are you talking about? Her brother killed himself like two days ago, and she's the daughter of Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, really? Yeah. I probably knew that about Presley. I was looking at her. She does look like Lisa Marie. Yeah, but she's in Fury Road. She's the one with the red hair that falls in love with Lux. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sad about her brother. Yeah. But um, I think I think the cast is incredibly talented. I'm looking forward to this director. I didn't realize that he directed It Follows. Yeah, he directed It Follows, which is nice. This movie, everybody, like I was going to say, everybody throws around David Lynch. To me, it's more Richard Kelly, Donnie oh, Darko. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Right. There's a there's a mobility to how the camera works, and in, in all of them, everybody said Richard Kelly is like Lynch and whatever. No, Lynch is like Lynch, and these guys may have come after Lynch. So, just like every science fiction film that has. Uh, Lens flares, Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Everybody, because it's part of the language of film now. And if you're going to do a neo noir sort of thing, it's part of the language. Yeah. So you're going to reference even unintentionally something that that uh, Lynch did. So, yeah. Um, Richard Kelly, I get Richard Kelly vibes out of this. Donnie Darko in particular vibes out of this movie. Um. I don't want to say too much about this movie. I, I was going to say I can't say enough good about this movie, but I don't want to say too yeah. much good about this Even though movie. that's when we talk about this movie the most of the four. <laughs> yeah. I know you, um, you actually said no to this movie when it first came out because everybody was talking about it. Remember, we were going to try to do that for your show. What did we just watch? But you're yeah, like, no, was, everybody's talking no. about this, so let's, let's give it and a breather. I, even, even then... I would not do it for what did we just watch for years because it's so thick with things to uncover. Mm-hmm. But I also, long he, you know me well enough to know after what we talked about earlier, I lose my patience after a while of talking about one thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, besides, it's getting really friggin' hot and I got to turn the fan back on. All right, so <sighs> the the Blu-ray for this is a Blu-ray on demand, made to order. Really? Disc. What? Why? Yes. So that's why the price is never coming down from twenty-four bucks. Lame. I got it for five Lions, bucks on Voodoo. Lionsgate and A24 worked out this deal. Now A24, like I said, they didn't like the response that Can had for it, and they wanted him to cut the movie down. And he said, "I'm not cutting the movie down." And why should he? All these other hereditary. The Witch, The Lighthouse, all these movies aren't touched. They're let be, and he, they they choose him to be the example of if you don't listen to I us, guess, we'll hurt but you. Yes, but A24 has always been a studio that usually trusted its filmmakers. So usually, so yeah. this is super weird. So now this is a difficult movie to get a hold of, and I've been looking at European market Blu-ray, trying to figure out if any of them are uh, all region affordable. Yeah. I haven't found anything good yet. But I love this movie. I wasn't sure the first time and I watched it last night again and I love it. It's <laughs> fascinating. Like you're engorged about it, I guess. Uh two jizzes up. 
Uh. <laughs> oh. Oh, uh. I'm gonna learn that word. Is if you ever mess with me, I'll just be like, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So our next episode is going to be modern age noir. Now, how do you count? What what year do you start when it comes to modern age? Oh, 80s, of course, yes. Is it? Because a lot of people consider classic like the way they consider cars. After 20 years, it's considered classic. But I would say the same thing, 80s. For me, when you say modern age, it usually means a genre has died off. And then yeah. it has to be rebuilt. And have like the modern age westerns, for me, starts in 85 with a revival of it with Silverado and Pelt Rider. Yeah. Uh, so I think yes. that's more of my criteria. Yeah. I'm with you. It's it's in the 80s, uh, in particular, Blood Simple. Yes, because what we had in the 70s were Love Letters to Noir. You know, the the remakes, you know, the ones with Robert Mitchum and, and uh, Ellie Gould and stuff like that. That was more whimsical nostalgia. But we're talking like reinterpretation of it. And I really do believe the reinterpretation starts with Blood Simple. All right. Are we are we covering that one? No, because you and I mentioned we're going to do a whole mini uh, series about the Coen Brothers movies. Oh, right, 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 right. But 84 right. seems like the kickoff for the new style in noir. Yeah. Okay, well, that is it. So uh, check you out on grumpire.com, right? Is it com yes. or is it org or is it um, net? Dot, dot commercial. Uh, Dogfartsqueakytoy.com. <laughs> Because you ran out of that, that's your website. It is mine, and I I'm going to sue anybody who tries to steal it. Um, mine is uh, I, I don't really have a website because I'm lazy and I don't know how to make anything um, except excuses. So Facebook <laughs> under Video Night that is our page for all our episodes and uh, sharing uh, information about new movies coming out and stuff like that. That's it. Everybody have a good night. Ciao. Ciao. Bye.